Well, good evening. Um, some of you know me pretty well. Actually, some of you have known me for 12 years now, 13 years even. Um, but some of you may not be as familiar with me, with me. So let me just give you a brief kind of synopsis of my story, my testimony. Um, so I rededicated my life back to Jesus when I was actually 17 years old in October of 2016. Uh, so if you want, you can do the math to see how old I am. Uh, uh, I was a junior in high school at the time. And I had a friend who, um, he was persistent. He was so persistent to see me come back to Jesus. Um, and as I rededicated myself to him, I quickly began to develop a passion, like a burning passion for worshiping God. Like it was almost instantaneous. As soon as I got it, I was ready. I was engaged. He had all of me in my worship. And with that, then I began to learn how to play bass guitar and started to play. So I was kind of like you, Ryan. I learned on the four strings. It was a lot easier to start out. But I started learning how to play bass, bass guitar and playing for the youth worship band. And that just continued to rekindle, kindle that fire to worship him. And then in March of 2007, at a youth conference in Antelope, Oregon, uh, I felt the call actually to full-time ministry, a pastoral ministry. And then as soon as I graduated from high school in 2008, I went right to Portland Bible College where I was around just a ton of people that had a fire and a passion for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So from 2006 until 2018, I served and led on worship teams for the church I rededicated my life into in various capacities, whether it was playing bass guitar, acoustic guitar, even at one point serving as a worship director for the church. And I've seen in that time various expressions of worshiping Jesus in various atmospheres and locations from youth conferences where there are thousands of high schoolers, small youth conferences, to this reserved Pentecostal church in Vancouver Island of British Columbia. And they were reserved. Like, you think Pentecostals, you think they're a lot more engaged. This was reserved. I was the only one lifting my hands. And even a Catholic mass where we're getting down on our knees and back up, I really had to fight the urge to raise my hand <laughs> in that because I just wanted to worship. Even with the hymnals, I just wanted to worship. So admittedly, most of my background in, in worship and in church is actually kind of more in that charismatic realm where people are extremely free with the, with the way that they worship. And not, not in the way that um, you might think of the hyper-charismatic, where there's absolutely no rules, absolutely no control. I actually feel like I was very blessed to grow up in faith in a very appropriate, charismatic way that fully embodies everything that we are in our worship without being distracting necessarily to others. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about. It's how can we worship Jesus with everything that we are. Which is why we see in Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Here at this church, we do place a very high value on communion with God, on spending time with him, of being in his presence. And when we commune with him, we begin to see the nature of who he is. And our worship to him should unquestionably be involved in that. So my goal tonight is simply just this. I want you, through the authority of Scripture and the evidence that is within it, to make the case that our worship can and should involve varying degrees of physical expression in worship to the Lord that he has shown us throughout the entirety of Scripture. That our worship, just like following Jesus, is not just an intellectual or an emotional aspect, but it is to actually involve all of who we are, our mind, our heart, our soul, and our strength, our bodies. So if we're going to look at what worship is, and if I were to just try to boil it down to one sentence, it's simply this. I believe we should have it up on the screen. Worship is our response as believers to who God is and what God has done. Each and every one of us, at some point, has interacted with God and his nature at various times in various degrees. So whether it's his loving kindness, his grace, his faithfulness, his holiness, we've seen at various times the nature of who he is and we've interacted with him. And as we interact with him, we respond to him. So I've identified a couple of things as to maybe why we will resist wanting to have some physical expression when we worship. First, sometimes it might just be a lack of knowledge for what Scripture actually says. Some people might be pretty new in the faith, and they haven't done a full dive. They haven't read the entire Bible yet. Maybe that's where you are currently. Or maybe you've had some previous experiences that were like, what was that? What just happened? Because sometimes in those hyper-charismatic spaces, it can be a little alarming if you've been so reserved in your worship. I have no idea why there were flags that were waving, why people were doing cartwheels. And I understand I am using the most extreme stereotypes of that. 
But I've seen it. <laughs> like, I've seen it at times. And it can be very confusing because those things aren't in Scripture. So it, leaves me, it can leave you wondering, that does not look at all <laughs> what I want to do. That looks kind of scary. <laughs> Maybe you just have the fear of man. Maybe you're scared of what someone's going to think if you lift your hand. Maybe it's the fear of who am I to worship Jesus? I just yelled at my wife two hours ago. Who am I to be physically expressive? I'm going to look like a hypocrite. Sometimes we concern ourselves with what others think of how we look far more than what we really should. Or maybe it's a previously held theological presupposition, assumption, I should say, or a belief. It's like worship should only be done in an attitude of reverence and somberness and soberness. Or maybe you've used the excuse, I've heard this excuse, that most examples of physical expressions in worship are just in the Old Testament. And so now that we live under the new covenantal love and covenant of Christ in the New Testament, that those physical expressions should no longer be done. They're not to be continued. I've heard that. So like I said, let's appeal to the authority of Scripture. As I've studied it, I see nine different physical expressions throughout the Bible in relation to worship. And we're going to go through them. Um, you're going to see a bunch of scriptures with each one kind of come up. Uh, I chose three. That is by no means actually fully inclusive of what scripture says on each of these. There's a lot more, but I didn't have that much space. So I stuck with three. Um, and we're going to go through them. So first... Simply speaking, you have Psalm 34, 1, 105, chap, uh, verse 2, 145, 21. And we're going to look at Psalm 145, 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. And then you have shouting, which might scare some people. <laughs> Like, I do not want to raise my voice in worship to God. Psalm 27, 6, 66, 1, and Isaiah 44, 23. And in, in Psalm 66, it says, Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. And then we have singing, something that we should be very comfortable with at this point, if we're following him. Psalm 47, 6, 33, 1, and 98, 4. In Psalm 47, 6, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. Then we have bowing, getting down on our knees, and humil uh, humbling ourselves before the Lord. Exodus 12, 27, Job chapter 1, 20. In Psalm 95, 6, 
And in Psalm 95, come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker. And then we have standing, something that we were all just doing. Psalm 33, 8, 22, 23, and 65, 8. In Psalm 33, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And then dancing, something I love to do. (laughs) And not like the crazy dancing, but, you know, like the Christian two hop, you know, something really reserved that you can easily do in a pew. But 2 Samuel 6, 14, Psalm 149, 3, and 150, verse 4. And 149.3, they shall praise his name with dancing. They shall sing praises to him with tambourine and lyre. And playing instruments, again, something I'm very comfortable doing. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, 25-30, Psalm 33, 2-3, I love that one so much that it's actually tattooed on me. In 149.3, Psalm 33, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And then clapping. This is actually the one where there's only two scripture references to clapping when it comes to worship. But Psalm 47, 1 and 98, 8. 47, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy. And then lifting our hands. Psalm 63, 3, 4, 134, 2, and 143, 6. And 63, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. So we see that there's quite a bit of scripture evidence for us to be physically expressive, to involve our bodies in worshiping our King. So why should we have these physical expressions? Well, if you look at both the Greek and Hebrew word for the word worship, it actually involves a concept of bodily movement and specifically of bowing down. So the word itself would mean that our worship is to be an active worship not one that is passive and just lip service, but it's to involve our body, to be a physical act. Because after all, we are not just intellectual and emotional beings. God didn't create us like that. There's a reason that we have a body, and our bodies are to be engaged when we worship. We see in Matthew 22, one of our our pillar verses for this church, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the foremost and great commandment. So for to love God, it has to involve all of us. He's He's called us to love him with everything that we are. In Psalm 16, verse 9, Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh will also dwell securely. 
our whole being is to rejoice in the presence of our God, in the one who created us, to pursue him and love him. If worship is our response to who God is, then our response isn't just an intellect and emotion, but should be with our entire body. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 through 20, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. These, this flesh and bone that was made from dust, it's a temple made for His Spirit to reside in. Shouldn't our temple worship Him with everything it has? If His Spirit is dwelling inside of us, it should cause us to have joy when we worship, to lift our hands and say, I love you, Lord. Thank you. And again, our key verse, Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Our bodies were made to respond to him, to live in a way that is, is worship. Every day of our lives, we should live out for him. That is an act of worship. And when we're gathered together as his bride, our bodies should respond like that as well. We should bow down in his presence to stand in awe of who he is and what he's done, to raise up our hands and surrender to him because he is our king, to sing his praises because he is worthy of all of it, to speak of what he's done, to speak of his goodness and his grace and mercy. And sometimes, yes, to dance and shout. (laughs) If I'm to love God with everything that I have, it reminds me of our relationships with our spouses if you're married. It's like my wife, Jessica. We're coming up on nine years of marriage. We've got two kids and a third on the way. But if I weren't to love her with everything that I am, with my heart, with my mind, and yes, with my body, am I actually truly loving her to the fullest extent? If I have my conversations with her and profess to her that I love her, 
but I never once hold her hand or hug her when she's grieving or just enjoy spending time with her in her presence? Am I actually loving her the way that I should? The way that I was made and designed to? If we're saying we love Jesus, if we're reading our, our Bibles because we want to make sure that we love him with our minds and love him with our heart and soul, but then we're not actually using our bodies in our love towards him, are we loving him to that full extent? To what we're truly called to? I recognize that sometimes this is hard to do. Sometimes it's actually even hard for our heart to even want to worship. Like if we're going through a really difficult season, and to be honest, it's just easier to just stand or sit and not engage. Sometimes that's easy. But I love the way that Bob Coughlin puts it. And we should have the quote. But sometimes when we engage our body in our worship to him, it actually will jumpstart our heart's response to our Lord. Even when my heart isn't affected by what I'm seeing, expressing my devotion to God bodily can stir up affection in my heart. I raise my hands because God is worthy to be exalted. I kneel because I am completely dependent on God for mercy, sustenance, and wisdom. My feet move for joy because my greatest problem, my sin against the holy God, has been solved through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Sometimes, if we even just lift our hand in worship, it can start to move our heart in its affection towards our King. Regardless of what I feel inside, God is still God. He is worthy of all of my praise and all of my worship. In the times of blessing, and yes, in the time of pain. As most of you, many of you will know, um, four years ago, my dad had passed away from cancer. And I promise you, my heart was not wanting to engage in worship. There was so much pain and so much grief that in my flesh, I just did not want to engage. But I knew who my God was. I knew that he was faithful and kind and gracious and had abounding love for me. And so in a sacrifice of praise, that next weekend, yes, I did play on the worship team. 
and I worshiped Jesus with everything that I had because he was still deserving of my worship. He was still deserving of my obedience to engage my body towards him, to love him with all of me. He was still worthy and still deserving. And yeah, it's a sacrifice of praise. It's hard sometimes to want to engage. But we have to remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done. Because that never changes. That never changes. We see that there is just a substantial amount of evidence within the Bible for the case for physical expression. We can say that many actually are commanded, and if we want to be as gracious as possible, they're strongly encouraged. Even the three that are you only find in the New Testament of kneeling, singing, and raising your hands. He's still worthy of those. He's still deserving of those. And those will still help engage my heart in moving towards its affection towards him. And many of them were actually spontaneously modeled in scripture. When we look at when Moses led the Hebrews out of Egypt, one of the first things that happened is his sister Miriam begins to dance and play the timber in worship to what God had just done. God had shown his faithfulness to the Hebrews by leading them out of Egypt. And she and the rest of the women began to physically engage in their worship spontaneously because of what he had just done for them. Or when David brought the ark back into Jerusalem, he began dancing. He stripped down to not pretty much nothing, But he began dancing. I do not advocate for that, by the way. We should stay fully clothed. (laughs) But he began to dance because of what God had just done. So then our next question is, how do we begin to grow in our physical expression of worship? And I first want to just say this is that our worship should always, should always be from a heart that desires to bring God all the glory and honor that he rightfully deserves. And we do that by living a life that is in repentance through the blood of Jesus. Physical expressions do not and should not be the measuring rod used for your righteousness. How much you raise your hands, how much you dance, how much you, how loud you sing, that is not a measure of your standing in Jesus. And actually, if we're doing those things, 
and we're in a wrong place with him, we're living a life that is in sin, of unrepentant, habitual sin, he actually turns his ears and eyes away from us. In Isaiah 1, 15, it says, So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered in blood. And in Amos 5.23, Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of harps. As someone that loves worship, that scares me. If I'm ever not under the covering of his blood, in repentance to him, that that's how he sees my worship. That that's how he sees me raising my hands or bowing down to him. That he turns his ears and eyes away from me. That should break our hearts. And that's why we should always, always live in a state of repentance so that we can worship him and it brings a joyful and beautiful sound to his ears. Because that's what it does. Our worship should always be in repentance. So that's the first thing that we have to do. So we have to make sure that we're living our lives in repentance to him. And the other thing that we want to do is we want to create space. We want to create God the ability to cultivate in us the worship of our entire be- our worship with our entire being to him. And this can be done both here corporately as we're together as a, a as a bride and also just in our private times of worshiping him. When you're in your car <laughs> driving to work you begin to blast Phil Wickham or Maverick City or whoever it is that you want. You begin to sing, to sing along, and to worship him from your car. I've had some amazing times of worship. Driving to work in Portland, which Portland needs it. (laughs) Our worship just isn't limited to this building It's not limited to our gatherings as a church. You can worship God on your own. You don't need me, Ryan, Daniel, Elijah. You don't need any of us to lead you into his presence and to worship him with your body. You can do that right at home. But we are creating ways for you to worship. I'm going to have a shameless plug. On May 14th, we're going to be having a worship night with the Vancouver Worship Collective. Actually, sorry, Jericho Worship Collective. Right here at Bethel. There's a space for you to begin to physically engage yourself, to engage all of you in your worship to Him. And when you... we begin to create the space. We have to seek the Lord with it. 
All of those physical expressions in the scripture references are on a bulletin for you to take home and to just study it on your own. I can't convince you. But through the authority of scripture, submit to what scripture says. Take it home. Study it. Look it up yourself. Don't take just my word for it. But take the infallible, inerrant word of God for it. And then we begin to take steps of faith in our physical expressions. And even the smallest step of if you're not used to standing up in worship, begin to stand. If you're not used to singing, sing. No one's going to care what you sound like. No one should care what you sound like. It's only what the Lord thinks that we're chasing after. So begin to engage. Take a small step. Even that small step begins to stir in you, begins to stir your heart towards him. And no, not everyone needs to be highly expressive like King David was. No one needs to be as demonstrative as I am. But we're also not supposed to just be bystanders in our worship. We're not supposed to just be passive. Remember, the word worship in both Hebrew and Greek conveys a bodily response, a response of bowing down. May it never be passive. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Um, Normally, yes, we do a portion of Q&A, but tonight I actually believe that we need to spend first some time in repentance to the Lord. If you're here and you have not been fully engaged in living towards Him, loving Him, the altar is open. Your pew is open. Repent and turn your eyes towards Jesus. And if you're ready, begin to take a step. Engage your body in a way that you haven't before. Even if it's the simple act of opening your palms up, lifting your hands like this, as Tim Hawkins, the comedian, would say, carrying the TV. If you really want to get crazy, Big screen. (laughs) But this small, simple act begins to engage. If we can be engaged when we're watching sports or watching a movie or seeing our friends or kids or being at a concert, if we can engage in those atmospheres, how much more should we be engaged in the presence of God? So take the time to repent, to get right with the Lord, 
and worship Him with your entire being. Don't be a bystander, please. Because our worship is our response to the nature of who God is and what He's done. So that's why we're talking about this today, because we're beginning our series in the study of the nature of who God is. And I want to see us take steps of growth as individuals and as a church. God desires that we live in communion with him and that we love him, as I've said several times already, with our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Surely that would include our worship to him. Let's pray. The altar is open. And let's begin to stand and worship our King. Amen? Father, we love you so much. We love you because you first loved us. You loved us so much that you sent your Son to pay the price and the debt that was ours. Father, I, I repent of everything that was not in pursuit of you. I repent of everything that I've placed ahead of you, above you. I want to worship you freely, knowing that it is a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. And so, Lord, I lay every single sin that I've had in the last week down at your feet because your blood has covered it. And Father, I want to engage my body and my heart and my mind and my soul in my worship to you because you are deserving of it. I was made to worship you. I was made to be in communion with you. We were made to be in communion with you. And may we do so in freedom. May we not care what other people think as we worship you. For those that are struggling with this, Father, I pray that your spirit would just continue to work that they would go home, they would look at these scriptures, they would look at everything that that your word has to say of how we should engage in worship and that they would not be convinced by what I've said, but solely by your spirit and by your word. And may we just worship you. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.